I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast, the UAE Tour Stage 3. Really good stage. I think this was, I was exciting the last whole two hours of this stage, maybe three hours. Almajan Island to Jebel Jace, 176Ks. Can be boring. But not if you get crosswind action. It's pancake flat. They go south uh, and then inland a little bit where the crosswinds can happen. And then Jebel is 20 kilometers or 19 kilometers, 5.6%. Very, very regular. There is 1K at 8%, 4Ks from the finish. But it's a draft heavy climb. And uh, the record is about 45 minutes. So it's still a decently long one. And uh, Brandon McNulty started the stage in the GC lead. His teammate, Jay Vine, was in second on two seconds. Then Foss, I'm counting out Mikael Björk, Foss was maybe provisionally third on 14 seconds, followed by a whole host of riders uh, like Bilbao O'Connor, all the way down to Yates on 28 seconds. So a lot to play for on this stage with 10 bonus seconds also being very uh, important. So... What was the break? Was there a breakaway? Was Mark Stewart in the original break again today, Benji? I actually didn't see the break because when I was launched into the action was when I got a, I got a text from uh, our man Luke here in the chat, our producer. He was saying, echelons, and I straight up opened the UAE live stream, the broadcast of the race. That is not the official like uh, Discovery Plus or whatever English broadcast yet. We were looking at like UAE Arabic commentary and I gotta be honest about it, before I jump into the actual action, I think I got addicted to the Arabic commentary because I started watching in Arabic and I never finished. I never switched back to English. I continued watching because that man kept shouting. He was shouting, <laughs> Belgiki, Belgiki, Belgiki. And I was like, what's happening? What's happening? Belgium, Belgium. Melir just hit the front of the group. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> he was... Uh, he was going crazy about Milano, uh, helping <laughs> Yates and Vine and McNulty. He's going crazy about Milano. Like, what an unbelievable job. Obviously, you know, everybody knows my Arabic contextually is pretty good, uh, at least in cycling. <laughs> so I guess that's what he was saying. Milano hey, was doing a good job. It makes sense. The problem is they're always <laughs> enthusiastic. So that's, I, I actually can't because I gotta have, you got to have some variety. <laughs> like the fact that it's always if if everything's special, nothing special. Yeah. So yeah, I I can't do it for more than about five minutes. And I'm like, Mate, okay, okay, they're just rolling along at 100 watts now. Let's settle down. It took 15 minutes for me to realize there was a co-commentator because the same guy kept ranting no for 15 minutes onwards. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly a co-commentator like very silently in Arabic on the other side. And I was like, oh, there's another guy. But anyway. Yeah. But they love sucking. The guys on Instagram, like, they follow it all year. Like, they love it. So, I mean, good on hey, them. At least they're enthusiastic. Uh, anyway, crosswind action today. Echelon started the UAE. We were looking for uh, who was in each group. It was very exciting. Crosswinds, this always happens, Benji. Oh, my God, crosswinds. There's people <laughs> all over the road. And then as more information develops, you're like, oh, no one really is caught behind. <laughs> Mate, that's serious. 
Bjerg was caught behind. And what we said before the stage start is the key to breaking UAE on Jabal Jais is making sure Bjerg gets dropped early. And if we can drop him with 90k to go, he's dropped it. But the problem is, you gotta keep that up until the climb. And if there's no other GC rider dropped behind, then most teams are like, well, why are we keeping this up? And then the wind turns because they turn into a different direction. Then there's headwind for a bit at like 68k to go, where we were hoping maybe they were once again the crosswinds, but it was once again, well, headwind. And that causes uh, the group to kind of fall apart, the, the echelons to kind of fall apart. And go ahead. Well, it's, yeah, like that's what happens. It's like the directors and teams are dealing with incomplete information too. So when there's crosswinds, they hit it. They keep pushing. Ah, we're in group one. Get on the yeah. front. We're in group one. We know we're in group one. <laughs> we don't know who's in group two yet. So yeah. you keep pushing. And then as information filters through, oh, Simon Carr's in group two. So it, it, no, I'm just saying like Simon yeah. Carr and Van Eidveld maybe are in group two. So he's, is Elon Van Wilder going to tell his whole team to pace on the front of group one for an hour and a half? No. <laughs> no. It's not like Yates was in group two or someone like that. Was it surprising that Albison was one of the most fanatic teams to keep the echelons going? Because from the top of my head, I don't even know who they have outside of their sprint, their growth. Jason Osborne. Yeah, they technically do. I wasn't necessarily expecting craze of him, but maybe that's because he had bad luck in Santos with an under, and that's why I didn't really expect him to do well here, but I actually don't know where he ended, so he might have actually ended well. But that being said, that echelon... It all got together after like 25 kilometers, 35 kilometers of action with 65k well, got, to go. The only re-split was when DSM yeah. hit it in a short, they changed direction for like 3k's, yeah. DSM hit it again. They, they were very strong in crosswinds. Ineos were also very good. Uh, I must say in the crosswinds, they were all present except for the two young guys. Was, and when DSM hit it, poor AJ August and Michael Leonard, the two teenagers just <laughs> spat out of group two. <laughs> and Cav was just giving them a lesson because they, <laughs> I don't know who it was, maybe it was a lotto rider. There, there was I a right to, left, right to left crosswind and it was a cambered road bending left and the lotto rider went to the left gutter and Cav abused the fuck out of him. Oh, they didn't. He just said, get to the right because to give, to, to create another echelon, to create drafts, which is correct. And then the lotto rider did and they started rolling through again. So what? Cav was actually good. In, well, I think it was the end, but I'm not sure which... <laughs> really, I would, I would expect your hand to be pretty experienced. So yeah, don't expect uh, him to need a lesson of Cavendish for for echelons. To be honest, so. August and Leonard were just behind Cav watching this. <laughs> like, oh my god, welcome to World Tour. Uh, well, Leonard was in last year. Um, but anyway, Bora got re-split because they were sleeping. Yeah, they all had the team at the back, and DSM re-split it, and then they. But actually, that was good for Group Two because then a whole team of rulers were there for Group Two. So. Um, but it all came back reality together. is, it all came back together. And we got a bit of a breakaway. Mark Stewart, like you mentioned, together with Jonas Ricard, attacked after this, uh, this echelon situation was done. So at about 65k to go. But nothing happens then between 65k to go and Jabel Jais, except one thing. And that's a pretty uh, massive thing for the race. We have a crash in the peloton and the top favorite of the race is involved. Adam Yates is involved. He, uh, he hit his head hard. I didn't see it during the race, but we checked it before the podcast to see if it was actually true. A lot of people were upset that he seemingly didn't get a concussion check, but I did notice by the side of the road, they were checking his helmet and he was checking his helmet back on the bike. So if the team knows he hit his head, was checking his helmet. Yates he knows, knows he, he hit his head. 
Yeah, but the team was also checking it, I'm pretty sure, really? by the side of the road. And if that is the case, and then they don't do a concussion check, then it's the responsibility of the team. Yeah, and like, he hit his head, it's tough to watch. He hit his head fucking hard. Like, yep. he's literally used his head to go from 65 kph to zero, and just bang, off the tarmac, off the back of his head. And he, he was checking, he looked dazed, he must have felt terrible. Must yep. have felt terrible. And the thing is, probably any other GC rider, like say, I don't know, if Remco was here, he oh, gets Connor. in the, they get in the car. Yeah. Probably. Uh, and I'm not, uh, but for, for UAE riders and Yates, they want to, he's the race favorite defending, no, not defending champion, but won this race before, home team, big favorite. They don't want to abandon. And uh, yeah, like that's just, a, that's just another data point of, I'm not saying these are horrible people, they did anything wrong. I'm just saying we talked about this in the weekly show maybe two yeah. weeks ago that like the systems in place are not adequately protecting riders when they could have had a serious concussion. And so this is another data point in that. And a guy we've has literally braked using his head uh, from 70. And I'm, I'm not a doctor, but this was probably one of the worst head on the floor crashes I've seen in a while. And it wouldn't shock me if he ends up having a concussion as a consequence of that, because that, that, that looked very serious. Like, the, yeah, the fact that he was not, back on but... his bike in no time, he, um, well, to, to give some closure towards it, he did drop early on on Jabal Jais and abandon to raise, which is a wise decision. But why did he keep going? Is that because he wasn't sure whether he had a concussion yet or something? Or because uh, Adam Yates... He must, I, he must have felt bad, though. Yeah, but like as him a rider, abandoning Grizzly felt bad. As a rider, I can understand it. You want to keep going. But... Who made the decision then? Was it just him like realizing, no, he fuck, did. why am I doing this, right? He must have got, he gone to Jace and he must have felt so bad um, mm, and, yeah. and pulled out. And you can see him with uh, Machi. Imagine's like, don't, you know, are you lip reading? But he is obviously yeah. pulling out, feels bad for the team maybe. And Machi's like, don't worry about it. Like, it's all good. Um, yeah. Health so, first there. Yeah, so it's, it's not even like, I, I don't even, you don't know what happened in the car. So it's just sometimes the riders, they want to continue if they can. And then they yep. try and they oh, I don't feel good. But it's just, it's a shame to see him. Uh, hopefully he recovers quickly. Obviously a fantastic rider. He was in fantastic shape. And uh, yeah, I hope Yates comes back as quickly as possible with uh, no adverse effects from that. But yeah, that did change things. The reality is that changed a lot of things, Benji. Yeah, I would say their, their best climber, is out of the race. Their right. pre-race favorites out of the race. They lose another climber to follow attacks. And it now really means that McNulty's in the GC lead and it's just Vine, two seconds behind him. So they only have Bjerg. And so how would they play it? And it adds this extra dynamic between McNulty and Vine here because if you see the situation you see with Yates in it, then Yates is going to be the guy that attacks first because he's way behind. So that's kind of the logic behind it. But if you have two riders that are literally next to each other, the only difference is that there's two seconds in between and a leader's jersey on the other. Then the difference is not gigantic and, and they might feel a bit shit if the other guy gets to attack and they don't. And then the other guy gets the leader jersey as a consequence. And that kind of dynamic in the race starts to be created. And that's a situation you don't want in a team when it comes to uh, uh, people management, I, I would say. But... The thing is also, you're right, they only had Bjerg, but I don't think Yates getting out of the race changed that for me. As in, they would only have Bjerg with Yates in the race anyway. Yeah. They would have gone for three leaders, 
regardless of whether Yates, well, uh, Bjerg would have been the only man that I would have trusted on the climb to be there as a full-on domestique, is what I would say. But anyway, Yates is out, unfortunate for him, unfortunate for the race in some shape or form. It opens things for Jabal Hafid a bit, but I think it's a bit too early to start, to start looking at that as a consequence of uh, someone crashing out, in my personal opinion. But the break got caught with 29k to go, about 10k later, and we started heading towards Jabal Jaiz, and there I was curious, because obviously OE is going to try and relatively soft pace, I would reckon, hope that they can get a bit of a sprint going at the end with McNulty, and stay in the same GC spots towards Jabal Hafid, is my guess. And Langen actually was pretty strong at the start of Jabal Jaiz, based the first three kilometers, and then Bora came to the front. And... I like this early on on the climb, someone taking over, a team taking over and upping the tempo to try and reduce the domestiques that UAE has, is how I viewed it. Then even Popple was the man for Bora and riders started dropping, but unfortunately at this point it's the sprinters, right? This climb is not 20%, it's 4-6% to 6 at this point, so Wellsford of the back, Viviani of the back, those kind of riders. But then we get to 13.6, 13.5k to go, Langen takes over again. And then it didn't take long before we got major flashbacks from last year, right? With 12k to go? Yeah, Movistar tried the same tactic again, launching <laughs> Rubio with a uphill-like lead-out. I don't know if it was Malaysia. I think it was Malaysia, not Romo. Okay. Malaysia or Peleo Sanchez, not sure which. Uh, I'm still getting used to everybody on the new teams. And they, they did it, and I was like, not again. They can't pull this trick again. And the problem for Rubio was... Uh, Björg was too strong. So yep. Björg pulls him back and uh, yeah, it did, but I, I was like, commend them for, for trying. At this point, Yates drops and pulls out of the race. Björg then just keeps pulling. So basically, we're thinking it's a big group. We've got a lot of riders still there. We've got multiple of Jumbo, uh, Visma Lisebike, multiple of Decathlon, AG2R, multiple of uh, Sudal Quickstep. They got Jan Hirt. Uh, Van yeah. Wilder, Van Sibernot, maybe. And then Ineos start pacing. And I actually don't think this is that bad because Foss is now third provisionally on GC. I think they were pacing defensively. I think they were trying to set a steady tempo to try and get as close to the line as possible so Foss could keep that provisional third position and use that with Rivera or... Rodriguez. I mean, arguably, just do nothing. Wait, because uh, what's the alternative? Björk keeps pacing, drops earlier than more carnage. Is that good for Foss? Then you have Castro on paper as well after Björk drops, is my thought. You know, if he doesn't do anything early either. I think it was the rider before Castro that was doing the pacing with no, seven and no a half Castro here. It's uh, Rivera. Who was that? Right. It was Rivera? Oscar, Oscar Rodriguez and Rivera. Oscar, they go See, Oscar Rodriguez, you got to get used to all these different you guys. You have the same mustache. <laughs> I think it was Oscar right? Rodriguez. I swear they have the same mustache. I'm not okay with this. <laughs> it's not I, Castro. I, I, if Castro's here, we're on the damn stage. <laughs> I recognize them by the mustache. So There's two new mustaches going got... on as well. <laughs> Has there been some paper released Mate, by Bird Blocken no or somebody offense. that mustaches McNulty, Vine, Wellsford? Okay, Australians and Americans, fair enough. But then the South Americans got them going? Mate, Gaviria? Vine looks like you've got an actual caterpillar on his no on, under his nose. And it must give you what I don't know what's up with McNulty. Not going to lie, I don't know what's up with the mustache of McNulty. He looks like he's seventy years in the past with his mustache. <laughs> <So>. Yeah, Vine <laughs> and McNulty—they're like Air Force pilots. 
They're going to be in... Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun. Um, <laughs> listen, it's, it seems to be all the rage, and it seems the guys with the mustaches are performing, or maybe it's survivorship bias because they're performing, you notice the mustache. I don't know. Um, don't change your winning formula. Anyway, uh, in your start pacing, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, frankly. Like, what else are Rivera and... I mean, Rivera could almost win the stage, but uh, what else are... Uh, nah, I don't know. Do. I don't like it necessarily. As in, if you're Foss, sure, you're on a podium spot on the UAE tour, but this is also a climb that should fit you regardless. You should be able to follow this group until the top if you're actually uh, ready for GC in this race in the first place. And then they basically pace the same pace that Bjerg was doing. If it was faster than Bjerg, I would understand to try and drop Bjerg and try and make you. But you're right, it's defensive, I just don't like it. It's, it feels like the tactic you'd use if you're the favorite for the race. Yeah, and, and then to your point, if you're so concerned about getting dropped on Jabal Jais, then you're not a serious yeah. threat for GC here anyway, because like this is, this is a 5% climb. So I, I take your point. I, just, I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world. Um, and then Heat attacks. So Heat attacked off that pace, then comes back. Bjerg starts pacing again. So Bjerg went really, really deep into this climb, did a really, really good job. And then Nicola Prodom. I, I said after <laughs> Classic IN, they are cooking decathlon. They are, they look different this year. And Nicola Prodom ups the pace and it's dropping Romeo. It's drop Ivan Romeo, who's still there. Conrad's on a bit of a gap. Uh and yeah, it's really thin, the group now from like 40 to 25. I'd say the group's now like 20. You got Van Wilder still there. They're more jostling for position now, but Prudhomme's really got it in a line. And then he stops. And then Vine just keeps pacing. And this was the moment where you have to look a bit into the future. Yeah. And if you want to keep two riders on the same GC position on a drafting sort of climb, I'm not talking on Angleroo or a heavy climb where the strongest will win. I'm talking where tactics and draft matters. To, doing it defensively is actually impossible to do that, even though that's like the natural inclination to do. And yep. so Vine, the only way for you, for UAE to get the best result possible on GC in this stage is for Vine to attack off Prudhomme's pace. But instead he, but in the, the clear orders from the car is to pace for McNulty and yep. wait for Bjerg to come back. But that's just delaying the problem down the road because other people are going to attack again. And you don't even know if Vine's worse than or better than McNulty at this point anyway. So it's two already, seconds. Yeah, it's two seconds difference. You don't know what the difference is going to be on Jabal Hafid between them, on Jabal Jaiz not either because the last two kilometers are still coming. And well, the situation you get then is Vine's doing a bit of a tempo and they're not really figuring out what, what could happen from behind. They're just setting their tempo, hoping that no one attacks. And if you hope that no one attacks, because Vine's not going to go all out, obviously. He thinks in his head, I'm also on two seconds of GC, yeah. so why would I be pacing all out for McNulty? Like, sure, he's my teammate, he's, he's currently in lead, but I'm so close that I might as well smell the GC myself. So he's not going to give his all, and that means that it's a tempo that people can attack upon. And then we see arguably the biggest cyclismo move that I've seen this year. <laughs> Aja Desert, Decathlon Aja Desert, these von Reisels, they're flying, my man, because this move, VPP with O'Connor in the wheel, 
you can you can go through it. It was amazing. The uh, incredible uphill sprint lead out, like better than Torres and Rubio last year. Because when Pradon pulled off, I thought, what's VPP doing? Get on the front. Look, because yeah. it, it didn't make sense. Why would you pace? And then Bjerg comes back and he's setting the, the easy, not easy, but setting the tempo that's easy for the GC riders again. And VPP, you see him talking to O'Connor, talking to O'Connor. One under the Flamme Rouge, huge lead out. And that's all you need because the draft is so important. And basically, Vine looks back, looking for McNulty. He's, McNulty's not responding. He's deep in the group. And I'm not, I don't mean chasing, but like Van Wilder was right there. Rivera starts chasing and Van Wilder was immediately chasing. And McNulty wasn't like, bang, on Van Wilder's wheel, ready to go over the top. He was deeper in the group. And so then Vine's looking and then he jumps. But he's jumping. The, the camera foreshortens it. These are big gaps now on this sort of climb that they're closing. And Box, super strong in this sort of effort, was good in Almeria or Mercia? Mercia. Mercia. One Mercia, uh, where he dropped Wellens on, on a not that steep a climb and then sold to the finish. And we think, is he going too early? But the, the lead out caused there to be gaps everywhere. Vine's chasing with no draft. Van Wilder's chasing with no draft. There's then another little gap behind Van Wilder to someone like Van Eidfeld who's sitting in. There's no domestiques picking it up after Rivera. So perfect timing from a decathlon as you there and O'Connor, despite looking back a million times, that's why I picked him yesterday, at least one of my picks, because he's always going to try. He always yep. tries because he knows he can't win the sprint, and so he doesn't just go and then, oh, I lost the sprint. He always has a crack, and he did it on a shallow climb, La Molina, in Catalonia in 2022, and it worked perfectly today, and great teamwork from them. So, yeah, chapeau. And you said it. The draft is so important on this climb that it's all about that initial separation. So just pacing and then O'Connor attacking would be a thing. Then you have some separation, but attacking with two riders to then attack with the second rider again gives that extra ability yeah. to keep that separation going. And we saw that indeed with Rubio last year and this time with O'Connor and him keeping that going. And then we see the reactions behind with, with Vine then trying to trying to chase it himself because everybody's kind of on the limit at this point. They're like It didn't look like everybody had most of the energy left, but I think there were a few riders that were trying to kind of keep in position for an actual yeah. sprint because Leonard van Eetveld was up there trying to position himself in the wheel of uh, fourth, fifth position in that group, I reckon. I was looking at some other riders as well. I think Max Poole was up there. I had lost Ineos completely after, I think it was Rivera, like you said, that when the... By the way, Rivera, can we just say that this man went from becoming, from being one of the more useless riders on Ineos to actually becoming a very proper world tour rider. Yeah, he's a decent rider, yeah. Yeah, I swear in the, in the past, I, I felt like he was kind of the, the plus no, one of Bernal on Bernal's the team. He was Bernal's friend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but now he's actually It's good. like Mullen with Bennett. <laughs> Mullen got the contract at Bora because, you know, well, he's Irish, but, you know, because they were friends. And um, then it ends up Mullen was better than him and stayed at Bora. So... <laughs> Uh, maybe I don't know Axel De Le who's Otto Vergara could be better than Pedersen in two years who knows uh, maybe not but yeah Brandon Rivera solid solid level world tour rider but yeah Foss not finishing in the top 10 uh, Van Eiffel wins that sprint for third Max Poole fourth Van Wilder fifth Walter sixth Richard Tello seventh Bill Bow I'll never understand this man for someone who can sprint like he can and who's a good climber 
<laughs> I just Mate. the fact the fact he's being beaten by Richardello in like this uphill sort of sprint, it makes no sense to me. It like defies swear, his power curve. If Bilbao sprints on a zero percent surface, he's great. But <laughs> yeah. if it goes to two percent or above, <laughs> he's losing. He's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe super error. I don't know. Uh, he's eighth. Rubio's ninth year, despite trying earlier, and Carr is tenth. Uh, we don't have any results yet past the top ten, uh, but. Five second gap that O'Connor takes. Uh, he also takes 10 bonus seconds. So he takes 15 seconds on uh, McNulty and actually goes ahead of him on GC into second and 11 seconds behind Vine. McNulty yep. just hangs on. He's like the back of the group, doesn't get put on a time gap, but he was actually, he lost a lot of time to O'Connor in that final kilometer. Um, so. It's not hindsight. It's not hindsight because, yeah, you could have predicted this happening. You, I thought it would did. be a little bit better, but Vine had to be, be aggressive and use his legs. In fact, when you lose Yates, it becomes even more important to do that because yeah. inevitably you'll be attacked. And uh, I think he could have won the stage today if he'd anticipated and gone after Pradom. He clearly felt good, um, but still that. They're in the GC lead, UA is not a disaster. They're still leading GC by 11 seconds and McNulty's only two seconds behind O'Connor. So it's still all to play for, but this race, Benji, looks a lot more open than it did after the TT yesterday. Yes, yeah, certainly. And on one end, it's a shame that it comes as a consequence of Adam Yates crashing out because if he didn't crash out, if he was still in this group, even, even if you lost in this group, what the hell did you just do? Did you spill everything? or <laughs> Spill water myself. <laughs> but anyway what, what was I saying? oh if Yates was still in the race regardless of whether he had, would have lost on Jabal Jais he'd still be the favorite for Jabal Hafid so with him out of the race it's unfortunate that that happened but it does open the possibilities in GC for Jabal Hafid and like the lead now wait a second McNulty lost the lead yeah 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 Vine's leading and with McNulty's 13 seconds down on Vine O'Connor is second, like you said. So I'm kind of thinking through GC right now, what the possibilities are for Javafid and who's the favorite. I think Vine looked fucking strong on this climb, so I'd expect him to be the favorite for Javafid. But is Hafid very tactical to begin with? Yeah, yeah, Hafid's still tactical. It's still only 7% in a lot of the kilometers. And then it levels off at the end. There's a flat 2% section. Yeah, it's still very tactical. You still need riders to draft to set, set it up for you. Mavi Garcia did the same watts as Kopecky yeah. last week. Yeah, but that and she was... Lost the, and she lost 30 seconds. I don't see anyone on this list that will probably do that move on. <laughs> <laughs> but Vine needs someone to do that for him uh, if, he, if he wants to yeah. drop O'Connor. So and I McNulty's yeah. still too close, I reckon, for both of them, for McNulty to start riding for Vine suddenly on Jabal Hafid. So... What would you do if you were them? If I was them, first of all, I'd hope that Bjerg has another great day. <laughs> but secondly, I would probably play more defensive than, uh, more offensive than defensive on Jabel Hafid. As in, I would make a move with McNulty, with Vine responding to important people that respond, and try and isolate the others so that it's a, a mano a mano towards the end where you're kind of, indirectly forcing the others to make the action to reduce the group that make any sense yeah i think you're i think you you smash it with bjerg at the base mcnulty goes as soon as possible and yeah. you try and force o'connor 
to chase him. That's because it's and O'Connor. As I said the other day, you remember Catalonia? Yeah, he won that great stage La Molina. Remember the next mountain stage? He chased everybody. Yep. And so that's what I would try. I would try bait O'Connor with McNulty, have Vine in the wheel. Then Vine goes over the top. But outside of Vine, O'Connor, McNulty, and GC, who are we looking at where we think this rider could actually surprise or something? Because Poole. Max yes. Poole. Van Aethfeldt, if he seems to be okay. But the thing with the Van Aethfeldt for me is... I'm not 100% certain Jabal Hafid is a perfect climb yet. As in, Why? the percentages in my head should be, but it still feels like a step forward compared to what he's done in the past. Oh. So I need like the, the boosting confidence. Because today I had full confidence in him. He won the sprint behind because I know he has that kick after a, a climb where he can be in the group. On paper, he's, he's light enough for Jabal Hafid to work for him. Yeah, but it's for puncher, it's like Poggy. Yeah, but he's Belgian, so I have lack of confidence. Yeah. I don't know why. I think it's a good climb for him. Pool is someone who'd have to go a little bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, it's actually, I wonder if it's almost a better climb for McNulty. It's shorter. It's 27 yeah. minutes, 28 minutes versus 45 minutes. And there's, did the crosswinds affect McNulty today before the climb? Like, because McNulty did huge watts in the TT yesterday. He's yeah. not suddenly shit. Yeah. Like, he did probably 400. 30 watts or something for 13 minutes. Is it the duration of Jace? Was it the big kick at the end? Because it's the pressure of being leader suddenly. I don't know. Uh, maybe her feet suits him better. So I think they got it. Well, I, we say they've got to go on the offense, but O'Connor's got to win the stage to win GC, right? So yep. isn't it Decathlon have got to do something? Well, Decathlon certainly have the team to do it, seemingly. Prodom was really good. VPP was pretty good. I don't know if they had riders before Prodom that could still be there, but I don't think you need much more than that, the way those two riders are performing today. Like, yeah. I think you have enough to shred the group a bit, and all the other riders in the team can, can work on trying to shred the bottom of the climb. But if I was Decathlon, I would, I would consider just shredding it and, and hoping that O'Connor is simply good enough to beat the others. But... And the thing is, if you are offensive as Decathlon, you've got a, a slight chance that your actions as a team might take out one of the two leaders of UAE. If one of them has a bad day, your team might be able to expose them before O'Connor has to fight the other one. Yeah. It's tricky. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I actually don't know what the teams will do. <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, anyway, we've spoken a lot about her feet. Tomorrow's stage is, by the way, the full list just came through. Uh, Foss lost 20 seconds. McNulty is put on 14 seconds. So he actually was credited with losing a fair bit of time uh, in this stage. He came 18th on the stage and uh, lost 50, uh, says it lost nine seconds to the J. Vine Van Aedfeldt main GC group, uh, Foss a bit further back. So 
not uh, not the best day for them, but we'll see how they pick up uh, in coming days. Tomorrow's stage finishing in Dubai Harbour. We got a sprint again. Starts in Dubai, goes uh, southeast to the Al Qudra cycle track, and then they yeah come back and do the big sprint in Dubai. It's a little bit technical actually, the Dubai Harbour one. Uh, or not well, yeah, a little bit technical. There's like a couple of right. There's a, a couple of ninety degree turns. Yeah, I don't know why I said that. It's a it's a Middle East highway sprint. It's not gonna be that technical yeah. compared to Europe, but um, it's still. <laughs> I can't remember the palm. Is this technical. the Palm Jumeirah one? Uh, I'm looking at the map. And yeah, it's the Palm Jumeirah one. Yes. So they go like back and forth on that yeah, little yeah. thingy. <laughs> the promenade. Uh. Who have you got, that Benji? The, oh, I think this is one where the Bora leadout could actually stand out. Yeah. Because this is, uh, if I recall, the one where Bennett also won because of the Bora leadout two years ago. Um, oh, I'm actually going to trust my gut and say Wellsford, even though... Fuck it, Wellsford. Even though my Lear is the better sprinter, Wellsford. Okay. Who did I like? Out of a decline. He was good. He, no, he's a draft merchant. <laughs> and also Zylard. fuming. <laughs> Zylard or someone crashed. I don't know. Uh, I think Zylard had an issue. So oh, okay. Um, that's the Dutch lead out. Maybe the client can lead out. Yeah, Wait. So. Draft merchants don't need their leader, right? Come on. Yeah, true, true. I had to put them in position before the last K, then he follows, <laughs> follows the wheels. Uh, no, Decline's actually good. He's, he's a very consistent sprinter. Uh, I'm going to go with Fabio Jakobsen. His, okay. his chain stays on. DSM impressed me today. Uh, I think he's still fast. He never gets in position. Tomorrow might be the one in 10 times he gets in decent position. And when he does, he's quick. Groenewegen is also the same. I could... One of those two could, could also win. Uh, Groenewegen would have won last year if Philipson didn't close him on one of the stages. Uh, so, but I'm going to go with Fabio. I just want to tell you, some tea just dropped. Oh, yeah? So, yesterday, you might have seen the Lefebvre stuff about Alaphilippe, saying yes. that uh, Lefebvre was in, like, Humor, which is, like, a, a Belgian magazine, where he was saying um, he, he drinks quite a lot or drank quite a lot last year, stuff like that. Basically, things that a manager should be saying. Lefebvre said that about Alaphilippe, but okay. I, I know where the confusion could come in. <laughs> As uh, as I have vivid memories of Lefebvre being uh, drunk on national TV in a in a actually, talk show at some point. I actually think he said he had a hyperglycemic episode. I actually think he did. Really? Because I actually think he did. Yeah. I think no one in Belgium believes it. Really? Yeah. He was also no, because, drinking during the show. He, but if he drinks all the time, <laughs> then like he wouldn't be like that. I don't know. <laughs> So no one believe you. the hyperglycemic but, story. Not, not that I'm aware of. I'm the only believer. I'll lap it up. <laughs> yeah, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. But Mario Rus just re uh, released a statement on, on Twitter. I've seen a French statement along the likes of whatever the feelings of Monsieur Lefebvre towards me are. It is unacceptable to attack our private life like, like he is doing. So no, I never drink alcohol. I also lost, got lost the holidays because with a child for three years, we prefer to be in shape for the tomorrow. Blah, blah, blah. So... A whole list of things. Is it something we will go into now, or should we eat it up a bit? Oh, Luke, Luke's posted it in English. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'll that continue. was English. 
I thought you were translating from French. Well, uh, don't you trust my French at this point? You <laughs> <laughs> posted it in English? I was talking English. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I could tell you were translating and you, and you got tired. Because you got halfway through the statement, and you say, ah, can we do it tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got fully. You got halfway through three sentences. Fuck this. I'm translating French for two minutes. You got me. Fuck. <laughs> I'll read it out. <laughs> yeah, Ms. Rouge just posted a statement. Oh, we shouldn't laugh. But it is funny. Ms. Rouge or Ms. Rouge. Okay. Ms. Rouge. Uh, whatever Mr. Lefebvre's feelings towards me is unacceptable to attack our private lives as he is doing. So no, I don't drink alcohol ever. Uh, missed for the holidays too. I presume that means didn't drink it. Didn't drink either during the holidays because with a three-year-old, we prefer to be in shape in the morning. You'll not succeed either, as you've already mentioned to me, in stopping me from working to keep myself busy and stay close of Julian during his career. We'll stop the missions I carry out fascinate me and I and know that I have lots of projects, but I tell you under no circumstances will you, I allow you to talk about my private life. Please, please now stop talking indiscriminately and show more respect and class. And I think that's very fair enough. That statement yep. from her, because first of all, let's take it back a step. Yeah. Alphalie, we may as well, we, we've introduced topic now. Alphalie, Tour de France, 2019, yellow jersey for two weeks, unbelievable, back to back world champion, winning this, winning that, best French rider, best quick step rider, great. Lefebvre, as I understand, is the boss at quick step. Am I wrong? He's the boss in terms of giving out contracts. Yeah. Not officially, so he, but he does the, the deals. So if you decided to give Philippe a monster contract, that's on you. You did that. Yeah. You can say Philippe and his agent, they do their job. They ask for, this is what contract we want. You, did, you gave him that contract. So there needs to be, there seems to be a lack of looking in the mirror a little bit from Lefebvre, I'm sure maybe it seems like he has buyer's remorse. Well, you yeah. bought it. In defense of Al Philippe, massive crash in Liège, age 22, right? Where yeah. Bardet Strade as well. died. Strade, big crash. So two crashes before the tour. His own team car had him in Brabant-Sapel. Yeah. Yeah. And so big, big crashes. Now, don't get me wrong. His level doesn't seem to be, has not been the same outside of that. As well, the last two years, I would say, hasn't been as good. Yeah. Um, Fair. Notwithstanding an impressive Dauphiné win last year, at the Tour de France again last year, he, he was just not aimless. Aimless and not good enough, yeah. And then in the, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So if a rider isn't doing the nutrition plan, is drinking too much, isn't training right, I'd prefer it wasn't done publicly. Yes. But I think as a team manager paying millions of bucks, you're entitled to be like, cut that out. That's not good enough as one of the star writers. That's fine. But then to be like his wife, Marion Roos, who's well-respected, who has her own career, who's on France TV, who was first directrice of Tour de la Provence and then was, is now directrice of uh, Tour, Tour de France Femme. Like, she has good jobs. Um, like, the <laughs> director of the biggest women's race in the world, yeah. owned by ASO, and on national TV during the Tour de France, doing comms. They're good jobs. Uh, and I've listened to her commentary. She's good. She's why, really good. Why bring her into it? 
That just makes it seem completely petty. One, I want to bring up that someone in the chat of the live stream just said, so Benji's translation was spot on. Just wanted to get that out there. It <laughs> no, was no, spot I'm not on. saying, I'm saying you got tired. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> your but translation is fine <laughs> but on a serious <laughs> note one i even think speaking publicly about potentially drinking too much and a potential drinking problem because it sounded like a, an alleged drinking problem the way i read it and if you present it like that then i don't think that should be public regardless of whether it's true or not that's something you don't do publicly. Because then, if he's not following the nutrition plan, if he's not doing his job, basically, then don't you have, like, grounds contractually to look into terminating his contract as a consequence eventually? Because if you, if you can prove that he's... No, nah, you, can't, you can't terminate Raj's contract for not doing his job. nutrition for plan, I don't think. No, but, like, if, if, if it's, like, very no, visibly hindering his job... Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they have, if they literally have an alcohol problem or something like that, and they can't train at all, then yeah, that then sure, uh, maybe, I, maybe you, you probably have this the CPA if they're doing their job right would be fighting against that. I, in an ideal world, you would try to support a rider with these issues if they have yeah. these issues, and you know, create a supportive environment. What's going on? Why is this happening? Okay, how can we help you? Uh, whereas mentioning it in the press like what good like what good will that do because i'm sure he said this to his face he said they've had this conversation yeah. so you've had the conversation the hard conversation to face okay I'll, we weren't there i think you if there are these issues you're entitled to say you need to up your game but but marion ruth's statement implies to me that lefevre has said to her you're doing too much of your own work. You should be supporting Julian more. Yeah. That's what she's implying, right? Because she says, yeah. as you've already mentioned to me, you'll not stop me, you'll not succeed in stopping me from working myself to keep busy. Like, what's it to him what Marion Roos does in her work life? And like, for example, yesterday I tweeted along the lines of, if Lefebvre was my boss, I'd probably get drunk too, which I don't know if I'd survive with someone that is actively like insulting me publicly while I'm trying to do my job the week before Omlop is starting. Like it's obviously jokingly said, but before people, worlds, remember him and yeah. Patrick Avenepoel. And you can say, yeah, Patrick Fulafever is great at his job and managing a team and so forth, but that doesn't give you a right to insult and discriminate your riders publicly and like criticizing them based on their actual riding and so forth and their cycling. I'm fine with that. Like, if, if, if you're, like, actually cycling badly or something, or, or you're not working for the team when they're asking you to, when, stuff like that, I'm okay with that. But if you're, like, going into the personal aspect, even if that personal aspect hinders the, the business aspect, and exposing that, because I had heard rumors about the, the certain rumors about Alaphilippe in, in, in the way that Lefebvre is presenting, but to make that public and expose that publicly, I think that's completely not done. Yeah, but it doesn't. It seems counterproductive because if you've already yeah. fired the rocket up him privately, why does I don't? Yeah, I don't know. And to bring his his wife into it, I think, or his partner into it, I just I don't see. I don't see how yeah. that helps because that's a low blow. Wasn't Alaphilippe with Marion Roos when he was killing it? Yep. So like, uh, I think so. Yeah. 
So just just trying to blame. Yeah, it seems a bit misogynistic to be honest. Uh, yep. it's, a bit, it's a bit of a shame. So at least Marion Ruth stood up for herself. I don't know how, to your point, Benji, I'm thinking now, if someone publicly attacked my wife and then I Mate. have to go work for that person and I got envelope on Saturday and you're paying me millions of euros, you know what I'll do? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. See ya. I'll fulfill, my, I'll fulfill my contractual obligations to the letter. But you'll not get it extra. And listen, that means maybe that he won't get a good contract out of. Uh, he'll still probably get a good contract out of Total and Decathlon. Yeah. So he he doesn't. Ha or maybe he'll just get a couple of wins and then say, you know what, fuck you. I'm going on holiday on July, or August. You won't see me. Uh, maybe he'll send him to Guangxi, but not done. I also think Alaphilippe, generally speaking, is a good teammate in terms of. Working for others, yeah. from what I've seen. I think so, too. Uh, he did that in the Vuelta as well before he crashed out that year. Or was it two years it for ago? Asgren in Tour of Flanders 21. Sacrificed yep. himself, uh, I think. So, I like Alaphilippe. Uh, and I hope if he has it, I'd like to see him come back to top shape, even though when he is a bit of a pantomime villain when he is in good shape, chopping people. But you know, we need yep. those characters uh, as well. Uh, I remember Love and Worlds was, was crazy. Um Anything else? Well, do you think this? Do you think this is it? Is this the last we'll hear of it, or do you think there'll be more? I think Marion Rue slapping the table will probably be a big hit of like fuck, because there she's gonna have a lot of support, deservedly, for the statement she brought out, and I hope this turns the turns the button in in the head of Lefebvre for a second. The classics are coming. I think there's too little time for there to be another blow up. I think this is going to go the way of, ben of Bennett. Yeah? I think unless Alaphilippe starts winning loads leaving, of races. But... Yeah, I think it's going to be like the Bennett situation uh, again. So, uh, anyway. It's a bit of a shame. <laughs> a bit of a shame before before Omelope, uh for that yep. to come out. Uh, but hope you... Well, who'd you pick for tomorrow? I picked I picked one of the Dutch riders. One of the five Dutch Welsh riders. You picked you Jacobson. You're an Australian back-to-back. Melly's going to win. So what are we win. doing? Okay. Hope you enjoyed the recap of UAE Tour Stage 3, and we'll see you at the sprint stage tomorrow. Until then, ciao. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.